0: All right. Well, good morning. If you brought a Bible, go ahead and open it to the book of Luke. We are looking at a series as we finalize that series with this fourth week of Advent um, titled Songs for a Savior. And we're looking specifically at these songs that we see only in the gospel of Luke. And so we'll be at Simeon's songs, the last one in chapter 2. And I'll be reading beginning of verse 22 to 38. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's word as found in the book of Luke. Verse 22, chapter 2. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is talking about the baby Jesus. so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, Verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Amen. Let me pray and ask God to teach us his word this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us by your spirit. You would open our eyes and our ears that we may see and hear things otherwise we could not. That you, by your grace, would soften our hearts and prepare them as good soil to receive your word, such as good soil receives a seed and grows a fruit, that we would, too, leave here changed people. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this this week I got a call from Ada, my wife, and perhaps this is a familiar situation that you've been in. And uh, on the other end of that phone call, um, there was a lot of stress and a lot of um, anxiety. And the reason for that is because she had been on the phone for at least an hour, if not more, with our home security system, uh, trying to fix a problem that we thought was fixed back in August. See, we had this home security system in Fort Worth, and when we moved here, we canceled it. We thought that we canceled it. And as it turns out, uh, we're actually paying for home security in a house we no longer live in. And you would think, well, why can't you get that fixed? It's a great question. It's a great question. We've tried to. Um, we can't even get online and change, you know, get change our account, change get it to any of our information. Um, I know I did some some calling when I say weed. It's really, it's really it's Ada. She's the one that, I, that deals with this. Praise the Lord. Um, but I, 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 I did something I thought, and I thought it was canceled in in August. Um, so a little bit backstory to the, this is the third time we've been in this situation, on the phone, waiting for over an hour to talk to somebody, and then we get these words, and this is where all of this stress came from. It comes from, it, it comes to me too, and you might have been here. We'll have this fixed in 48 hours, <laughs> and then that's it. And as I'm talking with Aiden, as we're venting about this and we don't understand, it's it's those words that bring this stress. It's those words that bring this anxiety. All will be fixed in 48 hours. And the reason why it does that, and again, I'm sure you can relate to this situation. I'm sure there's something uh, where you've had the call and and you're, you're really just trusting in the words that these people have said on the other end of this phone. You have no idea where they are. And maybe for you, too, this is the third time you think that you've done this. You're trusting that they're going to make good on that promise. And when you hear this will be fixed in 48 hours and you have no reason to believe that, there's no trust there. And where there's no trust, there's what? Stress and anxiety and worry and despair. And so one of the things, that I, one of the reasons I share this is, is that I think all of us would agree that where trust can be found, right, that's where true peace is. Right? It's not your circumstances. Like, I can trust something good, and even though something is happening to me that's belying that trust, I can still have peace in the midst of those difficult circumstances. Where peace and rest are truly found in our lives is where we have trust. And this is really the kernel of what births this song for Simeon. He trusts in the Lord because of the promises that he has fulfilled in bringing this child to us. And because that trust is there, because his eyes see that baby, right? right, he can have peace, he can have rest, he can know that this God is true, that this salvation that he sings about is real. And that's all I want to present to us this morning. That's all I want us to see as we round sort of this, this last base uh, for our season in Advent, as we prepare for Christmas, as we deal with all the waiting that is going on in our lives, let alone just if you're a child here waiting to open presents for sure, but all the waiting of everything else that is breeding anxiety and, and, and unrest, because we don't know if we can trust it. What Simeon's song shows us is this is a promise you can trust, and because that's true, you can have the peace of this salvation that is found in Jesus. So let's look at that as we look at really just two things this morning. I'm always changing outlines. That's why I typically don't put outlines in the bulletin. I went for it, and now I'm changing it. So there you go. Um, but really all I'm going to do, just to make this easy, is we're just going to do those first two points and um, cut off that last point. And we'll just keep it simple this morning. So uh, you'll see the rest of the salvation that we have, and you'll see the scope of this salvation. That we have in Jesus. Um, so let's look at that first one. The rest of the salvation, when you, when you look at this word for, for peace that Simeon sings, it's the same word for rest, and so you can, you can interchange those words. But just to set up the context for this a little bit, as you're reading this, there's kind of a lot going on, and there's really three groups of people, or, or three parties that you kind of have to pay attention to as Luke shares this story. There's the first party, which is Joseph Mary and Jesus. Then there's the second, which is Simeon. And then there's this third, this prophetess Anna, okay? So first you have Joseph and Mary who are doing what all good Jews do at this point in time, right? They're following the law. Leviticus 12, to, me, to, be, to be exact, if you want to go there and read it. That is that after the birth of a child, you have to wait 40 days for the purification to, to run its course. And then after those 40 days, the next thing you do is you have to come to the temple, right, to pay to offer sacrifice for the atonement of your firstborn child. All in Leviticus 12, go home and read it today. It's fascinating. Um, As we also read in Leviticus 12, if you don't have the the funds for a lamb, provision is made. Which in this case, for Mary and Joseph, who are not uh, well-off, monetarily speaking, two turtle doves or pigeons will do. And so they are in the temple doing this. And as they are doing this, A righteous and devout man named Simeon, who we are told is waiting for the consolation of Israel, or God's promised Messiah to come, and who has the Holy Spirit upon him for this very reason, sees Joseph, he sees Mary, he sees Jesus, and he has confirmation that this child is in fact God's long-awaited promise the one who would redeem Israel. In fact, we are told that God had revealed to Simeon that he would not taste death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so these two parties collide, one affirming the other. And this ends with Simeon taking Jesus into his arms and praising God, singing these words, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Finally then, there's Anna, this prophetess, devout in her own right, who comes up to the temple that very hour and sees Jesus and begins, what, speaking of him to all who were, again, what, waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Notice that Luke bookends this section with two statements on waiting in verse 25 and 38. Waiting is a major theme throughout scripture. It's a major theme of the Christian life as well. You might have asked yourself if you've been around the church, you know, what what were believers, God's people, or were they doing uh, just sort of you know in that time period before Jesus came? Especially, we think about the 400 years we call a silence between Malachi and Matthew. All right, we get a little bit of picture throughout the Bible, the Old Testament. We can see what people are doing. But then there's nothing. What are people doing? Well, you get a picture of that here. They're waiting. But they're waiting faithfully. Right? They're doing a lot of the things that you're probably doing now. They're going to, the, to church. They're praying. They're worshiping. They're having families. They're loving their neighbors. Waiting is often the business of faithfulness that we see here in this text. And how we wait says something about what we actually believe. And in this text, we read that faithful Jews have been waiting on the consolation of Israel or the redemption of Jerusalem. Those are basically the same thing. And what is that consolation? What is that redemption? It's how God would keep His promise. It's how God would keep his promise of sending a redeemer for the world, i.e. this term salvation. And now, according to Simeon and Anna, the waiting is over. The waiting is over. And this is what brings forth Simeon's song. Look at how Simeon words this in verses 29 to 30 with me. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, or you're letting your servant rest according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. According to Nolan and his commentary, this patient slave, or bondservant is the, is the correct translation, is now being released by his master from his duty as a watchman. Because the goal of his watching is now accomplished. As God has promised his release comes before death, the slave is now in peace because the time of messianic salvation has come. In other words, Simeon speaks as a servant who was given the task of watching for the great arrival of God's promised salvation. And now that the goal of watching was complete, right, he is free to be released, he can literally rest because his eyes have seen God's salvation, as the text says. In this way, Simeon's song is the great exhale of God's people for the waiting is over. Depending on how you or your family celebrate or participate in Christmas, there's actually a natural waiting that is built into this celebration. And one of those ways is waiting to what? What? Kids, open gifts on Christmas Day. We've got a few under the tree already from various family members, and I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. I don't think they're going to make it. Um, I don't think these gifts are going to make it. I, every time I look over there, there's somebody huddled around that tree. If, if it's in a box, it's been shaken to death. I hope the no, grandparents didn't send anything valuable. Uh, and if they put it in a bag, I mean, it just doesn't have a chance, Right? I I didn't I didn't like the bags. But it's kind of a torture chamber, really. Like there it sits, right in the prominent space in your house and hear all these things, but you gotta wait, you gotta wait, you gotta wait. Our kids can't wait. But Christmas morning, what? It changes that. It offers that that joyous exhale because the waiting is over, and with that comes, right, the, the rest, the peace, if you will, that only opening presents can bring for children perhaps for adults, hopefully for adults. But this is what Simeon is singing about, except it's not about toys under a tree that brings the peace and the rest, right? It's the long-awaited Savior that what that means for him and the world is that salvation is here. God has made good on his promises. He can be trusted. that salvation has arrived. Which is what Advent means. But he has, in fact, kept his promise, and because he has kept his promise, friends, he can be trusted, and that is where the peace and the rest for Simeon comes from, and it's where the peace and the rest will come for you as well. It's in that trust. That God can truly be trusted. To do what he says he's going to do. That's what the incarnation tells us. That he can be trusted to do what he says he can do or he's going to do. Because here's, here's the deal, and it's what scripture is telling us through this, is that everyone, everyone here is waiting on something. Everyone here is waiting or trusting in something in the bigger sense of that question that will come along and be what that great fixer that'll fix the problems of this world, that'll fix the problems in you, the problems in your marriage, the problems in your children. We're all waiting and putting our trust in something that'll bring this peace to everyone is. Simeon and Anna, for sure, as good Jews, we're waiting for God to do something about the oppression of of, of Roman control over God's people. When's he gonna get rid of that? I've got four girls, right, who think that what is under the tree Uh, On Christmas Day, we've been talking about it as we came into the parking lot of the church, right? Who believe that that is going to make everything right for them. And it will for about 10 minutes, right? For as long as it takes to open all those things up, whatever it is, right? And then you realize, right? Hmm, that didn't do what I thought it was going to do. We are all waiting on something, we're trusting in something that it's going to be the great fixer for all of the things that, that, that plague us. And scripture is just trying to get us to say, what, what is that? What is it? For some, it's waiting and hoping in our culture and day, right, for a victory over the next culture war that's going to come down the pipe. And if we can just get, right, enough people, if we just get this country back on track, then peace and rest will come into this place. For others, it's the right political party. And I'm I'm guilty of this. I've got my convictions. Is that the right thing to be waiting on? Is that the right thing to be putting our trust in, that that, that, that this this is what's going to make peace, make things right, bring me rest? For some of us, it's our children, right? That your peace and your rest is actually tied to them and the expectations that you have on them. Whatever it is, it is something, and what is certain is that these things that we look to, friends, that we, that we, we wait on, these things cannot bear the weight of what we are asking it. And what Simeon's song tells us as there's only one who can bear that weight, and it's Jesus. And only when we see him can we find that true peace and rest that, that waiting on the right thing gives us. What is your heart waiting on, trusting in this morning? What are you hoping in that you're not really even aware that you're hoping in it? And a good way to sort of figure this out is, is what is making you angry? What is bringing distress into your life? What is causing you to resent others in your heart? Because they don't seem to love and care, right, for the things that, 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 that you love and care for. They don't work for them the way that you do. And it's just causing you to just resent them. That's where your hope is. That's what you're waiting on. And the work of all that, and, and, and the goodness, there's a place for it. What, what, what Simeon is showing us here is that cannot bear the weight of what you're asking in. And there's only one thing that can. There's only one thing that we can truly wait on, right, that we can trust in, that's going to give us the rest and peace that we're looking for. Simeon saw God's salvation in Jesus Christ, and it brought him peace. It brought him rest. This is the first point. The rest of God's salvation. Let's look at that second one, the scope. As we begin in verse 31, Simeon continues, The salvation has been prepared, the text says, or established or set up in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In other words, this salvation is for everyone. This salvation is for everyone. Simeon sings that it is light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. What what does that mean? Well, the idea here is that those in darkness, which would be the Gentile world, which would be anybody who is not ethnically Jewish at this point, right, or at this time in the story, where God's chosen people were Israel and everybody else was a Gentile, right? It's, it's that those in darkness, light has shown in. But God's chosen people, Israel, who have been given this light by his grace, it's glory. It's glory in that the promises are what? Being fulfilled. In other words, Simeon, as a Jew, has waited on this, and now that he sees it, it's glory to God because it's promises kept. At the same time, God's plan wasn't just to keep the salvation located uh, to one people group. It will now be a light to those in darkness. In other words, grace has come to the Gentile world also. Nolan again says glory for Israel, but light for revelation to the Gentiles recognizes that the Gentiles come to the light from pagan darkness, while Israel is already God's people and by God's gracious commitment destined for glory, but they are parallel beneficiaries of that salvation, which is offered in the name of Jesus. Paul talks about it this way in Ephesians chapter 3 regarding uh, God's God's plan, God's grace going to the Gentiles. He says, when you read this, right, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. There it is. The scope, then, of God's salvation, right? The extent of who is involved, according to Simeon's song, but also a testimony to all of Scripture is that it now goes out to everyone. Scope, the reason I use that word, is proportionate. It's proportionate to the power of something, right? Consider, um, if you light a stick of dynamite, its scope or range, right, and its effectiveness is proportionate to its power. Compare that, then, to, say, a, a hydrogen bomb which is more powerful, right? Thus its reach or its scope is greater. The extension of God's salvation then to the Gentile world, friends, is is not just a prophecy fulfilled, although it is. It's not just the mission of God from the very beginning, which it is, right? It's telling us something about salvation itself. It's telling us something about Jesus. Jesus. And what it's saying is that Jesus is enough, what, to secure your salvation, no matter who you are. This is is the point of it going out. It can't be stopped. And the hope or the promise then of the salvation is that while we might put limits on it, nothing stops it from going forward. This is Simeon's song. Nothing stops it going forward. In fact, what the incarnation shows us is not just some neat trick that God pulled one day. The incarnation of God in Jesus Christ shows us that God will do whatever necessary, whatever necessary to gather his people. And friends, that is the true scope of God's salvation because it is proportionate to the love we see in Jesus, of his love willingness, the links he will go to secure his people, who, as we'll see, has come to what? Give his life for you. That's the scope. So here's where we have to meet Jesus this morning. Here's where this gets, where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Your sins, your failures this morning, my failures, my sins, my inability to love God and neighbor, your thoughts and your motives this week, my thoughts and motives this week, all the things uh, that we talk about or, or, or that we share only to um, our, our, real, our, our real counselor, and that is the Google search engine, right? all the things that you put in there, all the things that you spend so much energy hiding and keeping from, you know, to yourself. All all of that, the weight of all of that, right? Jesus sees that and he says, that's not enough to stop me from coming to you. This This is the essence of his song. His salvation is going forward and there's nothing that can stop it. There's no limit that can be put on it even if we don't believe it. You might put limits on God's salvation this morning, but there are no limits on his love for those who believe him. And so let me, let me take this to a different level here to get us into this place. Back in 2013, when Ada and I worked for RUF, we took a trip to Spain. And for two months, we were there with college students. It was great. We got to work with MTW missionaries, and it was great. Um, but while we were there, we learned a ton about the culture of this place. We learned a ton about the history of Spain and the church especially and how were, ge- we're dealing with a generation there that really knows nothing about the church, because of things that had happened in past generations. And one of those things that started to come to light that you might have heard about is called the lost children of Francoism. And Franco was the dictator of Spain back in the 30s. And one of the things that started to come out while we were there is that, that people were realizing that, the, the, that their siblings weren't really their siblings. Or worse, they actually had a brother, but they never knew they had a brother. And as, as testimony started coming forward, and a lot of these folks had already passed on, but there was testimony of, 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 of just do- government documents and stuff, things like that. As testimony was coming forward, especially um, in places like hospitals, it got, it got deeper, it got darker. And what, was fa- what, what they found out was that in order to sort of control and maintain what would be, for Spain at this time, like what would, being a good, good Catholic country, Mothers would come in, deliver their child. Doctors would take the child, take it out of the room, clean it, weigh it, except they wouldn't bring it back. And testimony after testimony was that doctors would come in and bring in a dead baby and say, Sorry, you've lost your child. And they would take that child, the good one, and they would give it to, at this point, a Catholic family. You can imagine right, the hurt and the anger and the sadness from this, even as it continues uh, to ripple through this country. Now, why do, I, why do I talk about that? If we are going to begin to understand God's love for us, if we're going to understand, right, the scope of his salvation, right, if it's ever going to register with us, we have got to begin to deal with the depths of the problem. The depths of our sin, And stop putting limits on it that we could actually come to Christ because his salvation covers everything. There's nothing in particular, right? There's nothing special about Spain, right? It's just a different context for us to see the depravity that's in our own hearts, that's in our own country. And sometimes we just need to step back and see that in order to to get a hold of, of, of really the depths of the problem that is here, that is in us. And what the incarnation says is even the depths of that, even the depths of the things that you don't want to talk about with anybody that you can't even imagine, right, that could even go on in, in, in this world, those things are not stopping God's salvation from going forward. That has got to bring us to praise this morning. There's lament there for sure, and we'll talk about that in another day. But this is what brings forth this song for Simeon. Nothing is stopping this. This child is here. It, it is light to the Gentiles and is glory for Israel as we think about the, the limits that we put on uh, God's salvation, as we think about even the limits that, 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 that God's people were doing, putting on his salvation here, going back to Roman rule, as you think about the things that you are holding up in your own life, I don't know that this is something that I can bring before the Lord that he can care for. What is it that the song sings? He has come as far as the curse is found. And as we deal with the depths of our depravity, what begins to happen? The cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the only way that that cross gets bigger for you, the only way that salvation gets bigger for you, is if you come with that and see that we have such a powerful salvation that nothing can stop it, but that it's here for you. And as we engage that love and as we engage that grace, this is actually what begins to change us as a people. This is actually what begins to to to, to, to bring um, the, the power and the rest of change that we all want to see in us and in this world. It's the gospel. And you say, I'm just tired of waiting, though. <laughs> I am too. I am too. But here's the good news from Simeon's song. This salvation has been prepared or established in the presence of all peoples. Friends, it's here. It has been established. It has been set up. It is here. And its power is capable of not just covering our worst, but of covering Say that again. It's not just capable of overcoming our worst, but it's capable of covering our worst. And that is a song worth singing any time of the year. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I, I pray that as we look at this text and as we hear of one man's just joyous cry of what he sees, of what he knows of the peace that he is given, that we would experience some of that this day because we know that you can be trusted. and We see your love for us. We see your care for us in Jesus, who you have sent not just to to die for us, which you have, but but to show us that you can be trusted. This is the promise that we've been given, and you have made good on it. May we rejoice this day. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.